with all things at the intersection of emerging tech and entertainment. Is it going to be better to be one of the big boys, major company, major multinational company, or are the bets going to be on particular individuals, smaller companies, and startups? You are about to find out the answer right now. What's going on, everybody? This is Lauren Delisa Coleman, your host for Beats and Bites. You know I am always out here tracking deals, moves, power plays at the intersection of emerging technology and entertainment, and more specifically, even music. I'm going to make this a quick one. Why? Because I told you I was going to be in the midst of the massive AI summit here in New York. It is in full swing, about to jump over to the Javits Center for day two, but wanted to make sure that I got this out to you guys before. There is just so much more going on. Like it's really fascinating to watch something grow. So I started going to this back in, I guess, either 2017 or 2018, where there were just really, I guess, you know, quote unquote, thought leaders like myself, um, you know, some media and definitely a lot of, you know, heavier tech people, right? Ethicists around AI, um, those who are, of course, developers and engineers. Now it's like the full on ecosystem. You've got MasterCard there and Disney and everything. They've got at least like three times the number of panels that they had, you know, back in the day and things are overlapping. It's just really fascinating. If you want to see some of my top takeaways from this, because you know I'm hitting everything and anything dealing with the intersection of AI and entertainment and music, I also have a bunch of meetings that I'm taking in addition to going to the panels. I haven't even touched on like the Expo Center yet to see what companies have coming up. So as always, you have to track what I'm doing across my different kind of media outlets for you so that you don't miss anything, right? Because they all hit at different times and I'm giving you different like kind of info through them and analyzing it in a different way. So I'm going to have, I guess, a more formal take on this for, of course, my column in NASDAQ, which should hit just in a few hours. And if you're listening to this, you know, same day, that's December 6th, um, today, Thursday. So you want to look at that because I'm going to have the top three takeaways from really a much more kind of business, uh, 30,000 foot view point of view um, that you're going to want to take in. Then, of course, on my LinkedIn newsletter that I do every week, every Tuesday, you guys know it goes live on LinkedIn just this is going to be more from um, a kind of grittier pop culture, hip hop point of view, the takeaways from the summit for that. I'm also going to have fun photos for you and more. And then today I actually have a interview that I did for you, which you can kind of get um, a little bit more of a top line sense um, that I'll be breaking down a bit more in the NASDAQ column, right? So it's just one kind of follows the other. And I love being able to do this because I just don't want any of you to be left behind. No matter what part of the ecosystem that you're playing in, I'm here to be able to help you make better sense of it. So before I get ready to run over to day two, I want you to be able to listen to this um, interview. I had the opportunity to, to speak with two very senior executives at BCG, Boston Consulting Group. For those who may not know, this is a, a leading um, consulting firm, not only here in the United States, but around the world, right? So they're talking to all the different players, uh, of course, as well in the entertainment space to be able to help guide them through all of the craziness, which is AI. So I've asked a couple of them to be able to speak to what they think companies 
and individuals should be looking out for, but just actually companies because that's what they deal with. And then kind of take from that what you will if you are one in that same space or two, if you are kind of a consumer or a, a smaller content creator, how they're being advising their um, clients and maybe advice that you can extract from that from you or um, how you can kind of, you know, maybe grab a couple of pieces from this if you are an executive um, kind of in this space. So I really think that this is quite interesting because of course, you know, BCG has paid mad money <laughs> to consult. And so just being able to listen to a bit of this, you know, kind of on the, on the free side is, is really a major opportunity. So I hope that you enjoy this. I will be back next week with maybe a part two of who I may be interviewing as well during day two, but it would be toward the end and just too late for me to upload it. So I want to make sure you get this now. Tune in for um, what will be maybe a kind of either bonus interview or certainly a bonus take on what's going down today, um, day two, because Disney is going to be talking, BMG, um, publishing, uh, Warner Music, so much more that I just want to make sure that you don't miss. So always tune in to the next episode to stay updated. Don't forget to follow so you don't miss that episode and any others. And don't forget to share and like. So here we go. This is BCG, and I hope that you guys enjoy this interview and that you have a great day wherever you are listening to this. Okay. So, so my name is Seish Iyer. I uh, am the regional chair for BCGX in North America. So I run the entire North America business. Uh, BCGX is our design and build business. So we have... 3,000 people who are actually designing and building things. So they're software engineers, data scientists, data engineers, product engineers, you know, deep tech engineers. That's what we have. Uh, now, Gen AI clearly is, uh, for me, on two fronts, a game changer. One is it is going to unlock what I call the fourth level of productivity, right? So the fourth wave of productivity that we're going to see uh, is going to come out of come out of Gen AI. Um, uh, the earlier earlier waves of productivity, of course, were you know the mass production of, of industrial industrial lines. It was the digital wave that we saw in terms of you know digital productivity that happened in 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 the 2000s. I think what we have at Gen AI is the fourth level of productivity. So we are going to see every major persona of work getting affected by Gen AI one way or the other. So that's I think one. I think the second is we are going to see massive opportunities in business models changing. So we're going to reimagine value propositions. So if you think about uh, finding new ways uh, with which to develop molecules, drug molecules that go after certain targets for diseases, we're going to see a very, very different way in which it will be done. The business model to actually build and then distribute drugs is going to, is going to change. Uh, and that's going to be driven by driven by Gen AI. Um, so we are going to see value unlock happening on on both of both of those fronts, and uh, we are already starting to to observe that across all sectors. So we are doing over um, you know 150 pieces of work at clients. Uh, more than 50 percent of them are actually builds things that we are building out, and we are seeing uh, how Gen AI intersects with different functions with different business processes that are core to core to organizations 
uh, with different personas inside of enterprises in terms of the day-to-day -day work that's happening. So there's going to be a value unlock that happens across all of that. <clears throat> Thank you for sharing that with me. One, two, I actually never knew that BCG actually built <clears throat> as well, right? I think when most of us in the space think of BCG, we think of consulting, right? And yeah. so you can not only consult, but actually then execute. Um, I we love can. how you've kind of touched on this point of um, Gen AI essentially changing business models. I was listening earlier today at a panel that was talking about, of course, the space of entertainment <clears throat> and how, of course, all short form video has <clears throat> changed everything within entertainment. And that speaker's position was that Gen AI, because it is more proficient, at least right now, in terms of generating short-form content than long-form, will actually disrupt the overall business model even more in any type of media and entertainment space that has traditionally been built on longer-form entertainment. Yes. What do you kind of think of that? I guess maybe from a, a build perspective, um, yeah. how, how should those who are like in the space think about maybe hedging for, for that change? Yeah. And if you're maybe a, an upstart, right, where's the where's the opportunity for you? Yeah. So, um, by the way, uh, Nicola de Velafond is a colleague of mine. He actually runs the Gen AI business for us globally. Thank you for jumping in. Yeah, sorry, sorry. No problem. Uh, uh, so he should, he should be in as well. But the, the biggest point that I would make from a strategic perspective is if you think about the cost of creating things, the marginal cost of creating has gone down to zero or has reduced significantly. So if you think about either creating documents or creating summaries or creating images or creating uh, videos or creating uh, songs or voice or creating um, cartoons, the cost of actually doing that has substantially, substantially dropped. Right? Um, and if I think about places where this is really happening, uh, you think about retail, and, and um, Nicola, you should talk about it more, but if you think about in apparel, uh, creating copies for products and actually putting it out there as a way to market, the cost of that has basically dropped to zero. You can actually start to create that in a matter of a few minutes well, and, and, and hours. Of course, blowing up because that's, of that. Yes. That's exactly yeah. right. So I, I, I'm sure you have more examples on, on that as well. But no. that is clearly a space uh, that is going to change. It, it's already changing. So who do you say if we had to, you know, in American terms, pick winners and losers? Who's the winner from that? So I would think that um, most of the organizations that, have, that are actually investing in in marketing and there is content that is behind the marketing and they have to respond to customers changing needs quickly. I think any enterprise that has that function is going to massively benefit, like massively benefit from this. This is not going to be uh, a, a few enterprises winning and the others losing. I think this is going to democratize the ability for multiple organizations that have these functions to extract value from it. Interesting. But I think what you, you, add to that? Yeah, and I think if you look Let's, let's make a bet that five years from now, these technologies are, are widespread. Everyone has access to them. What are, and so intelligence, in a way, is outsourced. You know, you have these models that are providing the intelligence of your company. What is the competitive advantage that remains? Because that will help you know, pick the winners and losers. For me, there are two. There is the data advantage and the people advantage. The, you know, so if you have better, vast, you know, more vast, richer sets of proprietary data, you can make the model smarter and therefore get to better outcomes. So for example, you know, if I have 
I, lo I work a lot in consumer goods. If I am L'Oreal and I have a hundred years of you know beauty formulas and beauty products and launches, you know, I can use this to train a model that is going to be able to spin out the next winning formula and the next winning product much better than my upstart competitor. That's one advantage. The second advantage is the people advantage. Um, this is a technology that requires constant learning and you know retraining of folks. If you are able to build a base you know, in your workforce of people that are much more skilled at using these technologies that have cracked a little bit the, the code uh, you know, on how to effectively prune, how to effectively embed that into their day-to-day -day work. You, and this is an advantage that is very hard to replicate because it's not something that you can learn overnight. It's something that you learn through constant experimentation and the people who have started earlier will get better at it, you know, because there is no playbook, there is no manual, there is no way, you know, to know okay, what is the right and the wrong way? You have to experience it for yourself. And so people, you know, who have been doing these short cycles of experimentation for a year and who are going to do it for the next five years at a large scale are going to be much better than the ones who are just thinking, oh, should I use it or not? You know, it's very risky, etc. So speed of learning is going to be an extraordinary competitive advantage. That's open to everyone, but actually very few companies are jumping on it. It's wonderful that those archives are there. However, there's all the layers of hierarchy to go through. So do younger companies have the advantage of being more nimble as well? Is it really anybody's game right now, which I personally feel that it is, I hope it is, um, because I think we're really at just a super exciting no. time right now. The, 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 risk, the, the, risk is, uh, you know, the risk is in the middle. If you don't have the scale to drive large experiments and the scale to have a significant data advantage, and you don't have at the same time the, the nimbleness and the agility of a small company, you know, this is a very dangerous place. Uh, you're right. Smaller companies, you know, have the advantage of speed and agility. I would say some large companies are also organized with a very, very, you know, entrepreneurial operating model. So they are not, you know, one big monolith but you know right. uh, they're trying to you create know, internal accelerators exactly a lot a lot, a lot of a lot of small you know a lot of small entities that can move that can move faster but but you're right there is an advantage for you know uh, upstarts and companies that can go that can go fast and the you know but for sure you are either playing on scale advantage through data and let's say breadth of experimentation or you're playing with speed advantage or both but if you're not playing on any of these two, you know, uh, fronts, then then you have a problem. And my, my sense is, <clears throat> uh, what what we are observing is it is going to be largely an ecosystem play. So you have many of the companies that have been around for 50, 100 years having a lot of the data, but they don't necessarily have the ability to extract the insight from that data. So you need these startups that come in that are innovative around being able to, first of all, ingest that data, create the right pipelines, be able to extract the insight. And then there are other companies that will now ex extract that insight and then offer it to consumers in different ways. Um, we're also going to see, I think, organizations that are going to our new startups that are going to collect data in real time. I'll give you an example. We all talk about surveys, right? And surveys are typically either done as you know filling up Excel spreadsheets or filling up forms. 
there are companies now that are doing video surveys. So when they're actually surveying you, they're not only taking a look at what you're saying, but how you're saying it, what your facial features are, and all of that is collecting data in real time. And imagine they do thousands and thousands of these surveys, and they have now collected all of this data about being able to extract sentiment, being able to extract insight, being able to extract intention. That's where this thing is going. So we're going to, I think, also, so there is data, of course, that exists from the last you know, longitudinal 100 years, but we are also collecting a lot more data as we move forward, either from sensors or from you know, videos or from images or from text messages or from annual reports. And these models are going to be able to extract insight by combining all of these together to create the next round of value. That's what I think we're going to see happen in the next two, three, four, four years. And, and to just build on Nicola's point, I think at least what I observe are two competitive modes. One is the data, but the data with the insight. So that's vertically integrated. Clearly it's going to be a competitive differentiator. And the second one to the point he made is workflows. Many of the workflows in terms of how the humans interact with the machine, so it's a man plus machine model, is going to be different from the way the man plus machine model is today. You're going to be able to essentially utilize insight, utilize what we would call a bionic workflow, uh, and take that to a next level. And that is going to be a source of competitive advantage. right? Uh, the last point that I'll make, which he also said, is the experience curve. Right? You talk about organizations having competitive advantage with the experience curve. I think that experience curve is now going to be a combination of experience plus intelligence.